Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Andy, and I wanted to remind you that we are crowdfunding for our summer 2014 road trip to Southeast Oregon. At the time of this recording, we are about $500 away from being fully funded. We would love for that last 500 and even beyond to come from you, our loyal listeners. So head on over to orhistory.com and maybe give some money to support the podcast. We're excited to tell some new stories from Southeast Oregon. And when you give us money, we can do that. And once we get fully funded, we'll start posting some stretch goals, some things that will enhance the trip that we already have ideas about, and hopefully maybe just straight up fund some new podcasts. We're extremely grateful to the backers who have supported us so far, and we hope we can add you to the list. Head on over to orhistory.com to help us out. Without further ado, here's Bigfoots in Oregon, part two. Far across the sea, they fly from you to me, but still I get no sleep. think of people whose hobby is going off into the woods and looking for Sasquatch? I think actually that's a great hobby to have. And, you know, I think that uh, people got to follow their bliss. And if uh, they want to spend their time in the woods looking for Sasquatch, all the power to them. It is Earth Day, 2012, and the ORHistory.com investigative team Sasquatch is deep in the Oregon woods, looking for Bigfoot, with a shit ton of free Mary Hill wine. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked out history folks at orhistory.com. I'm your host, Andy Lindberg, and under the guidance of resident historian Doug Kent Crispin, we profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. One of the more curious examples of ancient Bigfoot iconography is attributed to Native American tribes that lived along the Columbia, John Day, and Deschutes rivers. The native peoples carved stone heads, and some of them look very much like monkeys or apes. Obviously a zoological niche that had never been present along the Columbia River. Unless you're talking about a Sasquatch. 
the author of an 1891 pamphlet on some of these carved stone heads, dates them as quite old, even for 1891, noting that tribes in the late 19th century that he spoke to had no traditions or other connections to these curious carvings, enabling him to speculate that their date of origin was much, much more archaic. Professor Marsh, who found some of these heads in the John Day Valley before 1877, noted that, Among the many stone heads which I saw there were a number of heads which so strongly resembled those of apes that the likeness at once suggests itself. Another early reference of 1886 wrote that in the collection of Mrs. Kunzi there was a third baboon similar to those in Portland and East Portland, which has been traced to the region of Eastern Oregon. This one is 17 inches around, five and a half inches high, and weighs seven pounds. Some of these ape-like or baboon heads in other 1880s-era collections have been attributed directly to the Dalles. There seems to have been a lot of monkey business in ancient native people's art. Recognizing the significance of these artifacts to the Bigfoot legend, ORHistory.com sent our investigative team Sasquatch out into the field to investigate. Consisting of resident historian Doug Kank Crispin, Noted Portland foodstuffs impresario Chad Torrey and Melissa the intern, ORHistory.com investigative team Sasquatch began their terrifying and dangerous search for the Bigfoot at the Mary Hill Museum of Art. The Mary Hill Museum of Art, just across the Columbia River from Biggs Junction, has one of the stone heads in its collection. It happened to be on display for a temporary exhibition of area Native American artifacts called Beside the Big River. As a side note, for all of you Multnomah County listeners, if you haven't been to this museum, you absolutely must go. It's astounding. I'm rather embarrassed to say that I hadn't been there before myself. So we went. The carved head we came to witness has been depicted as possessing what could best be described as a sagittal crest. The mouth on this specimen does not exhibit the grinning teeth typical of most of the other specimens, however, but the positioning of the nostrils, the bulging eyes, and the heavy brows are all in character. In character to be a motherfucking Sasquatch. If monkey heads or ape heads were carved in this region before the arrival of the pink people, maybe there was an apish beast in the woods, right? Team Sasquatch decided that an up-close-and-personal viewing was the only way to definitively solve this conundrum. This is Doug Kent Crispin of the ORHistory.com investigative team Sasquatch, and we're currently at the Mary Hill Museum, yes, in fucking Washington, but right across the Columbia River from Oregon. And we're looking at a most curious carved stone head that has been attributed in an article is looking somewhat like a like a monkey head or a baboon head or an ape's head carved by the Native Americans in the middle Columbia River region. It's attributed to being pre-18th century and it's in the collection of the Mary Hill Museum of Art. 
most of the intern. When you're looking at the head, what do you think? Do you think it looks apish or primate-ish? Um, I mean, yeah, it definitely looks like a monkey, but it kind of looks like Chad, too, so not really sure. Chad, stop looking at the stone dildos. What do you think? I'm fascinated the by head? these. The stone head is obviously of uh, ancient origin. It is, uh, well, I know it's fucking ancient origin, but do you think it looks like a monkey head? It's a gorilla, and it, it's got a big nose, like hooded nose, prominent brow, long top lip, very, very ape-like. So we have established, not conclusively, but that potentially the stone head could be of a big old hairy monkey. Yeah, that's a monkey, dude. Definitely an ape. There we go. This is why you listen to this shit for stuff like that. Now we'll get back to the dildos. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So did you have a zoologist take a look at this stone ape head? Um, no, but Chad looked at it. And Chad's a zoologist? Well, not really. But he does have a BS in biology from PSU. I mean, that's pretty good. Well, it's a BS. He's certainly not a zoologist. You know, Andy, it's the best I could do with short notice. Okay, okay. So so after you left the museum? Well, next we went to the Maryhill Winery, who graciously supplied us with some fine wines to quench our palates on a hot, dusty day of hunting Sasquatches. Very generous of them. Absolutely. An excellent selection of their wines was provided, and Team Sasquatch enjoyed a tasting of several flights of wines at the winery. <laughs> several flights, all several right. Several flights. And a couple PBRs in the parking lot. Uh, the Maryhill Reds especially are a perfect accompaniment to Sasquatch hunting. The wild, woodsy notes in the libation mirror the earthy environment our quest would soon find us in. Provisioned well, we headed back into Oregon, baby, to begin our search for Sasquatch in the Dalles. The Dalles? Why the hell would you go to the Dalles to look for Sasquatch? Well, let me tell you, that's not a peculiar assessment. In Daigling's book, he questions the establishment of Peter Burns' Bigfoot Information Center in the 1970s in the Dalles as well. Daigling notes that it abuts the high desert of eastern Oregon, and he observes that the landscape is not exactly devoid of trees, but is largely open grassland and scrub. But the Dalles has always been a hotbed of Bigfoot sightings. In June of 1967, on a hillside close to the Columbia, some teenagers shot a Bigfoot twice with a 12-gauge shotgun at a range of about 10 feet. The nine-foot-tall monster turned and ran and apparently lived. In 1969, four folks saw a Bigfoot sitting on a high rocky bluff overlooking the highway. They stopped and got out of the car and just watched. After five minutes, they drove off with the Bigfoot still sitting there. In 1975, Bob Bellamy, minister of the Bible Way Church and three other people with him, saw a gray, ape-like creature in the Thai Valley. The presumed Bigfoot turned and ran after a few minutes, and a 15-inch long footprint was later found. The argument that the Dalles is a poor place to pursue peculiar primates seems to hold no water.
summer of 1971. At 3.30 in the afternoon, several owners of a trailer park were having a meeting. When one of them looked into the meadow adjacent to the trailer court and saw a Bigfoot. The meadow was about 400 foot long by 200 foot wide. At the south end of the meadow was a basalt rock cliff about 500 feet high. At the end of the cliff, the Sasquatch was seen walking among the fallen rocks. The reported height of the beast was seven and a half to eight feet tall. Later, Wasco County Sheriff deputies saw tracks in the area. As it was literally at the western edge of the Dalles, we decided to visit the Pinewood Mobile Manor to take a look for ourselves. So here we are at the, what the fuck is this place called? Pinewood Manor? Pinewood, Pine Ridge? Pinewood Manor? Pine Meadow? Pine Meadow. Hey, the fuck the hell is it called, Doug? Oh, Pine look, on your, look on your camera, yeah, right? Wait, I got it here on the toilet. Pinewood Mobile Manor. So here we are at the Pinewood Trailer Park. Mobile Manor. <laughs> Sorry. Here we are at the Pinewood Mobile Manor. Yeah. Where supposedly a Bigfoot was observed in the 70s. And you can see the meadow across the way uh, that he would have walked through, that he was reported to walk through. Uh, what do you think the locale in terms of a Bigfoot ness? I think that most of the trailers are from the era circa 70 or 66. The uh, the area is exactly as it's described in the uh, in the account. There's a meadow, a rock wall. Uh, I think that the residents of the Pinewood Manor uh, would maybe have housed the Bigfoot himself. Uh, due to the dilapidated nature of the subset housing. And what do you think, Melissa? You see a Bigfoot walking through there? Can you see that? I don't, but I could definitely see one hanging out here. Hanging out in the manor? Yeah, in the trailer park. I think we might have seen some Bigfoot poop, scat, if you will, uh, while entering the big Pinewood Manor. A, I mean, my, my theory is that... A Bigfoot, if you've seen any sort of depiction of Bigfoot, he's a tall dude who's like very uncomfortable in his skin. So he's not going to like hunt down little animals or deer. So it, make, it would make more sense that he'd be hanging around rivers where he can catch fish. And, and probably, you know, white trash children or that type of thing would be on his menu of uh, choice. You picture, you picture Bigfoot just going through, just like straight up scooping up little... Gaff trash children. Gaffling small children. What the fuck is a gaffling? They just house small children in his arms and take them to wherever and devour them. Eat them. As if they were snacks. That's gross. <laughs> Do you think that... What is it? Pinewood Manor? Pinewood Mobile, Ma Mobile Manor. Manor. The mo it's a manor, but it's mobile. Now, the Bigfoot sighting in the 70s from the Pinewood Mobile Manor was at 3.30 in the afternoon, I believe. But is it just me, or is it, would this place just be fucking creepy at night? 
I'd be a little bit terrified of the space at night. I'm terrified actually at 3.30 in the afternoon. But I think even more frightening in the evening. And the small children that would be around at that time should have feared for their lives more from the residents than from the Bigfoot. But it was it's a terrifying space. Your focus on small children is starting to creep me out, dude. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is terrifying, I know. I think it's quite delightful. <laughs> the, the, the manor here? The, the, it's like a manor, but it's mobile. Here come a couple of uh, maybe Bigfoot experts. This, there's your old dude right there's there. There's the old dude. There's Let's your go old dude that you're looking for. Yeah. Hello. Hey, guys. Are you, are you from this... Uh, from this mobile park, uh -huh. um, we're investigating Sasquatch, and there was a sighting here back in the 70s. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Sasquatch. Yeah. yeah, Bigfoot. Did you see the Bigfoot here in the 70s? <laughs> no. I don't think there's Bigfoot. Yeah. No. no I've been all over the Northwest. It. Right. Yeah. You don't believe in the Bigfoot. No. <laughs> Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, been all over. All right. All right. Well, they said that he walked from oh, here yeah. to there, over on this, over along this meadow right here, uh -huh. along the rock wall. Um, what was it? Seventy one. Seventy four was it? Seventy four. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been out here since seventy one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I used to take care of the spring down here, and oh. a, lot of, a lot of times I'd have to go down of a night, you know, uh -huh. when the valves would stick or something. Oh, okay. I've never had. Never uh, seen them yet. Never had anything like. A snowy winter. 1974. Just west of the Dalles on Highway 80, or today's I-84, is a small cluster of homes called Rowena. Near the exit sign for the Berg, at 4 a.m., while driving on the highway, Deputy Sheriff Harry Gilpin witnessed something manlike, about seven feet tall, walking to the north, walking away from his headlights. It struck him as odd that a man would be walking on a freezing morning with still deep snow on the ground at 4 a.m. Deputy Gilpin is not certain that it was a Bigfoot that he saw, but he puzzled over what it was. All seven feet of it. drove the old highway to a spot overlooking Thule Lake so we could get a view of the environment and the surrounding locale and try to determine if the Dow's Rowena hinterlands would make for good Sasquatch country. And we drank alcohol. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What the fuck kind of research trip was this? It was hot, Andy. It was very, very hot. Very hot. Yeah, like temperature hot. Okay. We are, what the fuck is the name of that manor again? Pinewood Mobile Manor. We're about two miles past Pinewood Mobile Manor. And I've heard some discussion that the area around the Dalles is just not conducive to Bigfoot from an ecological perspective in terms of cover and so on. What, it, what do you think about this argument being right in it, overlooking the beautiful Columbia River and 
Of course, I-84 <laughs> and the old highway. But what do you think of this argument? Doug, I wholeheartedly disagree with that argument. I think this is prime Bigfoot territory. I think he could hide and sustain himself from the amount of fish that we've seen in this lake that is in front of us here. The acorns? Uh, the acorns that are, that are abundant. Um, this is, the area is not hospitable for human uh, life, but for a Bigfoot, someone of his stature, I think he could. I think he could survive here easily. And Melissa, the intern, what's your thought? Yeah, I agree. I mean, these fish out here are huge. We saw them from the Chad saw them from the highway, and we pulled over and we saw these fish. They're huge. But would he be able to come out here and like pick these fish and like no one notices? You know, I don't know. Like, I, well, I think that it's conducive towards a Bigfoot, but like people would see him way more often if he's hanging out here. Okay, if he's hanging out here, but you think that. He could, so he could live here, he could live here, but I don't think he could live here, like, undercover. Unless he's a crafty dude. He's probably a crafty dude. Because he's a motherfucking Bigfoot. Yeah, he's a motherfucking Bigfoot. This is prime Sasquatch area. Sasquatch isn't any vegan. Hell no. He's not eating these pine nuts you keep pointing he's out. He's eating carp, and carp fucking stink. Vegans, vegans are, like, agile and, like, sensitive and stuff. <laughs> vegans Bigfoot's are... a badass. He's eating meat for sure. He's, he's eating lots of fucking meat. And there's not, there's not a lot and some fucking roadkill deers for my 84, motherfuckers. Exactly, exactly. Think about it. I mean, a roadkill deer, what better Sasquatch food? I mean, the, the thing is just grab it. Maybe that's why he it. was on the highway in the fucking middle of the winter. That's what he was. When the, when the deputy talked. I that. But why, why isn't it possible that there's not just some, like, hairy dude hanging out in the woods, like some recluse? Like some fucking dirty hippie hairy dude? Yeah. Why yeah, can't no. that be Bigfoot? That's like seven feet tall? Yeah, he's, he's, he feels embarrassed about his height. <laughs> So he hides from society and eats fish. And he's sad. And he's sad, but he's still not a vegan. I'm tired of being here on this hill. No one lives to be 300 years like the way it used to be. I think they were giants. I think they were giants. Eventually, we drove onto an unoccupied piece of private land where we could park the OR history machine for the night. Our plan was to bait the area like hell and attract Sasquatches to our slumber spot, our team safely secured inside the cramped steel box that is the Honda Element. In his quintessential study of Sasquatch in the 1970s, John Green, having created a statistical breakdown of sightings, observed that, by far, the greatest number of encounters were reported on roads, both major highways and secondary or dirt roads. Daigling wrote that a typical encounter is a chance occurrence, often at the edge of the wilderness, but not necessarily deep within it. He also states that, if Bigfoot is real, then this fantastic animal makes frequent visits to the fringes of civilization. I'm tired of being here on this hill Where I'm sure to find my last meal No one lives to be 300 years 
We had decided that using this historical analysis, we were aligned just to the south of an area attributed with numerous Bigfoot sightings, and near a road as has been described as being beneficial to attracting Bigfoots. Our lair seemed to have all that was necessary to attract hungry, spry Big Feet. This is a beautiful area for Squatch. And this is one that going before, I mean, I kind of subscribe to the theory that the Dallas, why would a Bigfoot go to the Dallas? All right. But coming through this area, just to the west of the Dallas, the Rowena area, mm -hmm. you really see just kind of the the growth is here. Uh, there's there's mm -hmm. plenty of cover. Mm -hmm. There's not too much underbrush oh, I see, I see. So they can move quicker because of the lack of underbrush as in many of the Cascade forests. That's right, exactly. And I think you were talking earlier when we were off tape about you know, the, the speed that you see the Dallas as you're driving through in your mm -hmm, car at 65, mm -hmm. all right, 75 or 80 miles an sure. hour. And, and, yeah. and it just zips by, it's not on this human scale. But when you're here in in this country, mm -hmm. I think you can really conceptualize a lot better that it, far from being a, a bad choice for Bigfoot, this is perhaps a best choice for us. Oh, it's a bastion. But what we have is we have an abundance of cover, like you were saying, cover, big rocky hills, steep inclines, things that he can navigate or she can navigate as a squatch more easily, but something that is going to provide nutrients, cover, that's, I mean, right there. And there is water everywhere. Everywhere. Wow, that was right in concert. Everywhere. It was. It was. We couldn't have practiced that. Well, that's because we rap. <laughs> as far as baiting the Bigfoots, I used two methods I drew up from my historical researches. The first was from an Oregonian article from November of 1987. An old-timer named Wes Summerlin was tracking Bigfoots in the Wanaha Tucannon wilderness and used peanut candy bars to befriend the beasts. He said they were pretty picky eaters, and sometimes they would eat the candy bars, pulling out the peanuts one by one. I thought if this was good enough for some 67-year-old badass, old-school Oregon Bigfoot tracking dude, that it was good enough for me. So we got some Snickers bars and tossed them all about our site. But we wanted to make sure, so we also employed a technique that supposedly yielded what is called the Skookum cast, which is a plaster cast of a Bigfoot lying down. It is such a detailed cast that it even has a testicular imprint. The cast is reportedly made from the indentation of a prone Bigfoot lying down in a muddy field to reach a pile of ripe fruit that the researchers had placed for the bait. I figured if it was good enough to yield a nutsack cast, it was good to go in my book. So we placed a mound of sliced ripe apples and pears on the roof of the OR history machine. And yes, they were organic bitches. Dudes, you got those like Doritos? Yeah. Cool. I think that, I think that stuff will work. Like you got that orange, it's good. Dude, there's nothing that's gonna try to like my lady pee. Dude, I just piss all over the car. That thing's gonna be all over this thing. Not over the inside of the car. <laughs> no, just on the outside of the car. <laughs> the inside of the car is for later. Did you did you do the full perimeter? The full perimeter. It doesn't need it. I just need a little bit of lady pee, and that thing's here in that's a second. It? Just just a little scat. I can, I can feel it now. Just a little tickle. Wow. Not tickle. That's a little tickle. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. So here we are in the heart of the big big country, and we're ready bed down for the night. We have baited the area with fruit and Snickers bars in the hopes of attracting the Bigfoots. All that can be heard is the lulling sound of traffic on Interstate 84 and an occasional turkey. Gobble, gobble, gobble. It's roosting nearby. The hunters lay in wait to shoot these birds in the morning with their shotguns.
Let's get some. Makes me a little nervous. I'm a little nervous that they may actually shoot a Bigfoot before we get a chance to see it. As the evening progressed, we began a slow, unstoppable descent into madness. A lot of dudes like bigger chicks. They do, chubby chasers. This is the extent of the conversation I'm recording. Wait, are you recording it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> you told me to. You were like, yeah, just dad lived. That's a good idea. Just, you know, just, okay, just stop talking about Sasquatch. <laughs> Instead of chubby chasers? Isn't Sasquatch a chubby chaser? I would assume that he would want the most bountiful. Yeah, wouldn't any beauty. wild beast be a chubby chaser? Yeah, especially with those voluminous hairy teats he could chase. So we should start packing it on tonight. On Sasquatch? What are you talking about? That's gross. I'm talking about like, our weight. <laughs> so we can be his enslaved love toys? But we'll be inside the protective car, right? This is the end. Beautiful prayer. This is the end. They made me their resident historian for this, and I wasn't even in their investigative team anymore. Why is Sasquatch always a he? Why can't she be a lactating woman? Um, well, why, she, why is it, if she's a woman, she's gotta be lactating? Why not? That's the best kind. That's so gross. That's <laughs> not gross, it's natural, it's biological. Just because you like it in your face doesn't mean it's normal. <laughs> the little Sasquatch babies like it too. True. <laughs> That's why I was saying they're not vegan. They lay in wait for I don't understand, like, I don't understand how, like, you can, like, be vegan yet, like, breastfeed your, your child. child. Yeah. I fucking totally understand what you're saying. So, what happens now? Desperately in need of some stranger's hand. In a Tweet a little bit more. Oh god. <laughs> We're supposed to hang out. <laughs> we, can't we do both? <laughs> no. You never text when you're with your friends? No. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, if I think they're boring. What's that? If I think they're boring. Really? That's the only time? So if I was tweeting while we were laying here, you would assume that I would think that you're boring. No. <laughs> I just mostly think everyone is boring. You do? Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. Okay. Bigfoot is sort of reflective of ourselves, but um, in a state of nature. What are you tweeting? I'm not tweeting at the moment, but like about Bigfoot babies and stuff, putting them in cages. <laughs> <laughs> and so what Bigfoot represents is this thing in the wilderness um, that is intelligent like us, 
but at the same time, it's living in harmony with nature. And in that sense, um, it's wiser than us. <laughs> that one's fucked up. I can't wait to send that one out. Chad was unreachable. Melissa, the intern, refused to tweet. And me, my methods became unsound. Which one? <laughs> Put those babies in the little cages. I remember that one. Can you hold it for me? I know. I'm not holding anything for you, Melissa. It was hot, Andy. It was very, very hot. I didn't hear that one. Like temperature. I said, I'd really like to shave one ball and get it right. Yeah, it's just quirky. It's not quirky, that's quirky. I don't think it's Bigfoot. Yeah? No? Here. Yeah, you don't believe in the Bigfoot? I don't know. No? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. You're the son of a hippie, dude. You can't help it. It's How about this? Nature. Ooh, these little Bigfoot babies are so cute. Here, suckle. Ah, oh, my fingers. The little fucker bit my fingers off. For real, dude? That's what you're texting? That's what I'm going to tweet. Yeah, you like that? Where's, like, the pun? Bigfoot might be uh, sitting there in the woods lurking and allowing us to see it. Um in order that we might uh, learn something or perhaps take a lesson from how it's actually uh, living in the woods without destroying the woods. So Sasquatch walks by a gay bar. I know, that's what I'm thinking. All right, so do Sasquatch walk by a Our methods are unsound. Okay, so... Do you have that crackle? Do you hear a crackle? Yeah, there's there's a little static in here. Okay. What? The Sasquatch. Drugs? The Sasquatch. Did you say what are the drugs do I have? Jokes. Oh, jokes. A third battle similar to those in Portland's and East Portland, which has been traced to the region of Eastern Oregon. This one is 17 inches around, five and a half inches high, and weighs seven pounds. Our methods have become unsound. The killer awoke before dawn. He put his boots on. He took a face from the ancient gallery and he walked on down the hall. Sitting there in the woods, working and allowing us to see it, um, in order that we might uh, learn something, or perhaps take a lesson from how it's actually uh, living in the woods without destroying the woods. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What the fuck kind of research trip was this? No, I don't think it's been Yeah. No. I've been all over the northwest, right? The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But the truth is, I did see something. And what I saw was this fabulous beast. And it was moving swiftly, and it was moving with purpose. And I wasn't expecting to see it, but what I saw, indeed, I believe, was the Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. The Sasquatch.
the Sasquatch. I think I hear Bigfoot. How was it sleeping in the element last night? Oh man, unreal. That thing is cozy. It's like a fucking down mattress. It's um, it, fucking awesome, man. And compared to 40th anniversary of Cooper night, where we slept near the supposed landing site in the element, but just the two of us, yeah. how did it rate with three? Uh, it's much cozier with three. Way more comfortable. It was. Uh, it was, a it was a pleasure to do that. Thanks, Doug, for your hospitality. We do it all for <laughs> Oregon history. That's right. <laughs> right. Okay, Doug. So it would appear that you were unsuccessful in finding the Bigfoot. Uh, to what do you attribute your lack of success? Yeah, I wouldn't quite call it a failure. Let's let's call it lack of success. Okay. Uh, one spring is statistically one of the worst seasons to witness a Sasquatch, according to researcher John Green. Uh, very few Sasquatch sightings happen in spring versus the other seasons. Two, perhaps the Sasquatches in the area were females, and maybe Melissa, the intern's lady P, was not an attractant. You know, perhaps these female Sasquatches weren't lesbians. Uh, so that could be the other thing that I attribute our not success to. We asked Team Sasquatch about their thoughts on this less than successful expedition as they prepared to dine in the parking lot of a Hood River McDonald's. So we utilize historical modeling methods and scientific theory, and yet we still did not find a Sasquatch. Most of the intern, are you disappointed? No, I knew that was going to happen. Very well. Chad, what do you think? Oh, man. I think I'm fucking hungover. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I wanted a Squatch. I mean, really, I thought we were going to find, like, a whole fucking gang of them, to be honest. But a singular would have been pretty cool, especially if she was lactating. Oh, beautiful, man. I'm just glad we didn't get eaten by bears with that food around our car. Sasquatch bait is also bear bait. It's true. What's going on? I might have to puke. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I have yeah, I know I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the man who's hebering to you But I would walk 500 miles And I would walk 500 more Just to be the man who walked a thousand miles To fall down at your door Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers. And be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. 
We hope that you agree that this episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kank Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-Ass Oregon History is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kick-Ass Oregon History in your life? Learn more at ORHistory.com. Just stay away from that pile of ripe fruit next to Mr. Kent Crispin. He's trying to get a plaster cast of your nutsack. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Sasquatch. 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 S